It's great to be with you guys tonight. I'm going to share a story with you. And uh, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your unfailing love and how you have radically transformed me and, and everyone in here tonight, probably. Lord, if you haven't yet touched people tonight with your grace and with your power, I pray that tonight would be an awesome night for them, that they would meet the God of the universe and that they would be filled with a brand new meaning in their life and, and cleanness and healing and hope. Thank you, Lord God, for pain and for suffering and for what you do in our lives. And I just pray that you would fill me with your spirit, fill us all with your spirit tonight. Thank you for this church. In your name we pray. Amen. Sometimes we learn what commitment means after we've already made that commitment. Sometimes things don't go as planned. It was Saturday night in the summer. It was a hot night. I remember that. I had no idea I wasn't going to get any sleep that night. Looking back now, which is kind of hard to do sometimes, I can see that I was overconfident. I literally had no clue that this could happen to me. But devastation can come in a moment. One moment you're just rolling along with joy, just maybe serving the Lord, just happy. And the next moment, you can be so crushed that your heart feels like it can't start, it can't keep beating because of the pain. Your breathing can't be controlled, and the very core of you is revealed, spread out for everyone to see. That happened to me on this night. I understand it now, and I'm different now. But that night, and through the next couple years, There was a lot of confusion, a lot of denial, pain, crying, bitterness, hopelessness. But most of all, it was a whole lot of Jesus. A whole lot of Jesus. Even though I was surprised about the events that took place uh, and would follow this night, I cannot say that I was unprepared. I don't know how everyone reacts in these types of situations, but I know how I did. I know that the deepest parts of me came out. Some of it was bad. Some of it was good. But I can understand now that Jesus knew everything that was going on, knew everything that was going to happen, and he never left me through the whole thing. So I'm going to take you guys on this little story. Five years earlier, I was at Calvary Chapel Bible College. I uh, knew God had led me there. I I left high school the the day after I graduated. I drove out to California, showed up at the Bible college, and was like, can I live here and work here? And they said, sure, I guess, since you're here. (laughs) And uh, it was awesome. I worked up at the camp and, you know, um, made some really great friends that summer and started going to Bible college. And my plan, you know, I, I felt God was leading me to ministry, and I was going to be a pastor. And, and so I was like, what's the first thing you need as a pastor? A wife, right? So um, that's why we go to Bible college. And um, I was super mature at this point in my Christian walk. So I go to Bible college, and the first day of college, I'm like scoping it out, right? You got, you know, the super 
homeschool girls over here, and then you had the um, straight out of Compton girls over here, and then you had the worship leading girls right here playing their guitars by the lake with the sun glistening off their hair. And it was an easy choice, right? So, first day of Bible college, I met a girl, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose this one. And two years later, we were married. So, that's how Bible college works, I guess. <laughs> and no, there was a lot more going on at Bible college than just that. Um, yes, that's the truth, but there was a whole lot more. Um, you know, I recommend all of you high schoolers go to Calvary Chapel Bible College. It's, it's amazing. There was a lot of, you're in the Word, and so you're studying, you're, you're learning about the Lord, and then, you know, there's times of prayer and true fellowship. And I was uh, blessed to have a, a dorm steward named Tim Chaddock, and, and he was just an awesome leader, and he was, we'd have these hardcore Bible studies, like, every night, like, hours we'd just pray and, and read and lay hands on each other and stuff. And so one of these times, we were, we were all laying hands on each other, and they were, it was my turn. They were laying hands on me and praying. And, and Tim's like, I have a word from the Lord for you. And if you know Tim or if you've ever heard him preach, uh, he does this. Oh, the Lord's speaking to me. And he said that the Lord gave him a verse for me. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. And he said, well, at first he said, I, I believe you're going to be a pastor and a teacher. And all the other guys are like, yeah, yeah that's, we, we feel the Lord is saying the same thing. And I said, okay, I, I feel that too. I think this is going to be a plan. And then Tim says, here, let's turn to 1 Peter 4.1. God has this for you. This is your, your thing. You guys can turn there. We'll pretend we're in this time together. And he pulls out his Bible and he says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Hmm. That's not the prophecy I was looking for, if I was looking for a prophecy. So I was thinking, that's nice, you know. My mind goes to Jesus hanging on the cross, getting beat. And I'm thinking, all right, so I'm going to get beat up and die for Jesus by my congregation if I'm ever a pastor. This is, okay, I could do that. Uh, of course, it didn't happen. Although, truthfully, uh, many times I thought that might have been easier than what I actually did endure. But I took this verse in my heart. I believed it with all my heart that when that suffering was going to come and when it came, I would have my mind made up already to push forward to the end like Jesus did. And this would serve me well. It, it developed in me a heart to be like Jesus I wanted to be like him so badly. I yearned for him. Um, I knew suffering would come, but I believed I was prepared for it. Nothing could prepare me for this. Back in my house on that Saturday, I was tired. About 10 p.m., I came home from church, and I was a youth pastor at a large church in Colorado Springs. And I, I was tired because I just led worship and taught Two, Bibles, two, two services. And the next morning I was going to go back and do three more. And then Sunday night, another one. And then Monday night, another young adult study. And then Wednesday night, another study as well. 
uh, it was a busy, busy time of ministry. Um, it was a weekly routine for me and my family. Our two boys were already asleep. My wife told me she was out with some friends for, for a while this evening, so I figured I would wait up for her. So I got on our computer and logged into this brand new thing called Facebook. Have you ever heard of that? This was like in its small infancy stages. It's, it's kind of funny to think about. But uh, we had only had Facebook a couple months, and it was fun to see all our friends on there. We had a lot of friends. Being on staff at a large church does that for you, I guess. A lot of people know you. A lot of people see you. A lot of people watch you. And I felt pretty responsible to God to be an example for those people. I'd made a lot of good choices in my life up to this point and um, wanted to be an example of how to do things right. My ministry was flowing out of my relationship with Jesus. It was real. It was alive. And even though I was young and inexperienced, God was using me, and uh, it was exciting. In fact, we were both being used, my wife and I. Uh, We led worship together many times, and serving together gave me a great feeling of confidence about what the Lord was doing with us. And I served the Lord because I love Jesus, really. Uh, From the bottom of my heart, that's why I was serving the Lord. And everything seemed perfect. But... When trials come, and they will, according to 1 Peter 1.7, just a couple pages to your left, it says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you be grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So when these trials come, it's for a very specific purpose. My trial that I'm about to tell you about was for a really specific purpose. And the word that I hang on to in this verse I just read you is that word glory. It's to the praise, honor, and glory of Jesus. That word glory to me was always this abstract, like, oh yeah, glory to the Lord, glory be. I I didn't understand really what it meant. But going through this, and what this shows to me now, is that glory means the depths, depths of Jesus. When Moses was on the mountain and he said, man, Jesus, show me your glory. He wanted to see the fullness. He wanted to see the, the everything about, about God. And God's like, you could maybe see my after glory. And he hid him in a rock and he passed by and he... He got to see the afterglow of God, and it was incredible, so incredible that Moses glowed for like 40 days. When I read this, I see that our trials that we may go through in this life are for the purpose that we can see that glory. So this testimony is a result of my trial by fire. I was completely unaware at this point in my life that the enemy had been secretly planning an evil plan and it was about to blow up see satan hates me he did hate me and satan hates you but god is love and love never fails no matter what you're going through so i'm looking at the facebook and i realize i'm not logged into my account but i'm logged into my wife's account by mistake 
I look and see that she has some new messages, so I take a look, I investigate. And what I found was bad. The first, most recent message was a rambling declaration of her love for another man. Describing her conflict and how she knew it was wrong, but the desire to be with him was more than she could resist. And as I read, my heart broke. Tears just poured down my face. My mind raced. What do I do? How could this happen? I can't even begin to think about where, where I go from here. I had several hours alone, which were filled with praying and crying and a lot of talking to God. I remember, I remember specifically running outside and running down the street looking for something. I don't even know what. I have no idea. But I was hoping to find it outside. And I kind of calmed down. I was in shock. I kind of calmed down. And I came to the Lord. And I asked Him for His grace. I said, you know, God, I need Your grace. I've learned, I, I've learned about Your Word. And I, I know this is a big deal right now. And I'm scared. And I'm worried. And I'm freaking out. Would you give me your grace? And he did. He showed up right there that night for me. Alone, I asked him for that and he calmed me down. When she finally came in, um, the, I left the message up there on the screen so she could see it. She, she knew right away that my heart was broken. And she knew right away that she was found out. Um, at first she tried to deny everything and tried to explain it away it didn't last long and, and soon she just became angry she just became upset I asked if we could pray together I was hoping that we could have a quick healing in this circumstance we could come and let God heal us but that, that was rejected uh, she was going to go down this road no matter what it meant, no matter what it meant for us or our children. And I just couldn't believe it. You know, the next morning I, I went into work, to church, and, and just found the most loving guy I know, which is Donnie. He's the guy down there at the church, and he's crazy. He's got dreadlocks and stuff, but he'll hug you if you need a hug. And I, I went to him, and I, I just started crying in his arms, and and it was a it was a tough time. The next three months were the most difficult of my life. She left every day when she didn't have to stay home with the kids or something, and, and uh, to experience her new lifestyle. She lied about where she was at, where she was going, what her intentions were, who she was with. She started drinking. Drinking just added to the problems, and it was used as an escape. I had to resign from church to focus on my family, as you can imagine. Um, but one thing remained consistent. I kept coming to Jesus. I didn't stop. I kept coming to Jesus and begging Him for help. I just wanted Him to heal me and fix the problem so I could jump up and say, Yes, I'm healed. We're healed. 
I, I read hundreds and thousands of the Psalms over and over and over again. I don't know if you've been in this time where you're just broken. The Psalms are just it. I just read and I cried. And every time David said, like, Lord, hear my prayer, I, I just broke down every time I would read that. And God showed up in a big way during this time for me. He gave me hope, supernatural, undeniable, ridiculous hope. You see, hope is not the idea that things might get better. In fact, things could and would get much worse for me. And hope is not the opposite of pain. Hope can exist right alongside of pain. But hope is Jesus. And my hope that I found and I hung on to during this time was Jesus. It was in a living relationship with Jesus. He listened to me. He spent time with me. He held me. He alone did. And it's not that other people abandoned me. My church family was awesome. They just didn't have the thing. They had nothing that could heal me. And they had nothing that could sustain me for my day-to-day dying I was going through. It was not easy. In fact, some Christians told me um, I didn't deserve to suffer like this or that I needed to leave right away, that this was uh, unfair to me. But Jesus told me in my time with him that that wasn't true. Jesus told me that he would give me the strength to love unconditionally. It's what I needed to hear, and it's what she needed. And I needed to arm myself with the mindset that this was my opportunity to be like Jesus. And to know Jesus in a different way than maybe most people may get to know him. See, our God is a comforter. He's a powerful comforter. And there's no way I can describe it to you except by saying I've tasted it and I've seen that he comforts like no man can. And he heals like no one can. But getting ahead of myself. So this is my hope, that God was in this. That God was in me and that I was doing this for him and not for her. I was doing it for him. And this is the thing that God used me to help that God helped me, this was the thing that God used to help me understand what was missing from my marriage. I didn't go into my marriage thinking, I'm called to love my my wife no matter what for God's glory, even if she cheats on me. I didn't go in thinking that. You don't go into your marriage thinking, what if this goes bad? I didn't intend to have to suffer in my marriage. I was getting married for fun, for ministry, for for joy. And I started to understand just a little bit of God's broken heart for his people that reject him and betray him on a daily basis. And this began to transform me. God was revealing things in me, the selfishness and preoccupation with ministry and work instead of on my family and on my wife. God was changing me and working inside me. Where I once was drowning in pain, I now had peace and hope. My pain became my identifying mark, my proof that I was sharing in the sufferings, but also the glory of Jesus. Remember going back to that word glory, it was these depths that I would go to. 
of just spending hours with him, being alone. He'd give me a cup to drink, and it was bitter to swallow. But the communion with Jesus was well worth it. If you guys would turn with me to Psalm 84. It's awesome. And we sang this song tonight. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, it even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. In this time, there was no substitute for me. There was no substitute for the living God. And I suggest to you that 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 should be how our everyday is. There should be no substitute for our time with the Lord. He is a living God. And He misses us when we don't spend time with Him. He misses me. I know it. And this time, he, He forced me into this place where I was given that... I was, I was in this place where his tabernacle was my home, spending that time with him in our secret place. Skip down to verse 5. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring, and the rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength, and each one appears before God in Zion. These verses were everything to me. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you. See, I, I had a challenge every day just to wake up. Every time I woke up, the pain stabbed me in my heart again. And I was like, how am I going to get through this? And I, I came to him and he gave me strength every morning because he's a living God, not a dead God. He's not silent. He speaks, and he gave me the strength every morning. He says, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. My pilgrimage, my journey that I was on, I was set for it. I was ready for it. I was prepared. I was determined to follow the Lord at any cost. And it was a great cost, as you'll see. But they make it a spring. As they pass through the valley of Baca, and that word Baca means weeping, literally. As they pass through the valley of weeping, they make it a spring or a well or a place they can go later for refreshment and for that life-giving water that their soul needs. And for me, the story, this testimony, is something I can always go back to. I'm going back to it right now. And I'm drawing from that well and giving it to you. And in your life, your suffering can be this as well. So I did love her during this time. I was there for her. I served her. I took care of her. I forgave her. I truly forgave her. With everything inside me, I forgave her. I did not hold it over her head. I tried to be an example to all the people watching me, but the truth is I only cared what Jesus thought of me and that Jesus saw me. It was the only peace I had. Because they didn't all see what I was going through. And I felt as if I was getting stronger and stronger. Back in those verses in Psalm 84, it says they go from strength to strength. See, God, when you, when you come to him, it's just strength 
after strength. He gives more grace and more. And when you think, okay, it's too much, I can't go on, he gives you even more strength. And it's short, it doesn't end. All the promises of God are yes and amen. He gives it to us, to those who come to him for their strength. So the pain didn't decrease in my life, but Jesus was increasing every day. My church family and I were praying for her that God would do something to bring her to the end of her wandering, and I was willing to go through pain for her. I was willing to be broken for her, but I didn't know that God was going to be counting on that to be a vehicle for something amazing he was going to do. I was home again another night, very similar to all the nights that had come before. I saw a paper hanging out of my wife's purse, and I looked, and it was a doctor's note or something like that. And as I looked at it, my heart sank. My hands started shaking. My blood was like boiling inside me. And it was an appointment from an abortion place and a payment plan. The realization of my fears had become complete. You know, she was pregnant from an affair, or at least I hope she still was. I can honestly say I didn't even consider divorce right here. This was the day I felt God's strength more than any other. I knew for certain what God's heart was in the situation, and I had been, because I had been spending time with Him, He had filled me, and I had no guarantee how she was going to react, but I knew how I would react. And I knew I wanted to do what the Lord wanted. So I confronted her about it when she got home, and I told her, I believe this was God trying to get a hold of her. I told her I would have this baby with you, if you will turn away from that life. To my surprise, she agreed. And God's love had won. And God's love had saved a life. She came back and stopped participating in this sinful life that she'd been a part of. She said she was sorry. She said she was thankful for the love. She was also full of guilt. You could see it all over. It was like she was a soldier coming back from war. You could just see it on her face. She was tired. She looked like she had aged many years. She was pregnant and pregnant with another man's child. And we started trying to put things back together again. We moved to Denver. We got involved at a church. There were some good days and life was moving forward again. A few months later, my son was born. I held him in my arms and words cannot express how much I loved him. Satan tried to put thoughts in my heart like... He's not yours. It's just going to be a reminder to you every day of the pain. You'll never be good enough. But honestly, they were nothing compared to the light and love that Jesus Christ had put in my heart already. Satan tried, but it was nothing. It was nothing. I held him. I loved him. He'll probably never know the story of how he came to be, but I know it's a story that pleases my father. But we're not done yet. Fresh wounds were torn open in my heart about four months later. The first chance that that she had to spend some time out with a girlfriend, she got drunk again and stayed out all night. This time there were texts and voicemails and emails from various guys and... Within a month, she had transformed back into that lifestyle 
that she had fled from before. I would get home from work and she would walk out the door. And she would come back home 2 a.m., between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m. It's really difficult. But I had firmly decided that I would never take the easy way out. I would continue to love her no matter how long it took. Every day I made that difficult and conscious choice to forgive and not let my emotions control my behavior. Because did it hurt? Yes. Was I angry? Yes. Was it written on my face? Maybe. But I loved and I was patient and I served. And God heard my every prayer. And I believed that he would take care of me in the end. One day she came to me and said she wanted to depart for good. It was hard to hear, but I knew God was with me and he had seen everything. So the marriage ended and I became a single dad of three boys. This had its own set of challenges, but somehow the new environment was better for everyone. After some time, God put it on my heart to start praying for a wife. And I asked the Lord to give me a list of qualities that I should be looking for. And it's weird because a very specific list was laid on my heart, a list I didn't even fully understand or think was possible, honestly. I prayed for a woman who had already known me. For some reason, I prayed that. I don't even know why. Someone who had their own heartbreaking story or who had been through a trial by fire, similar to what I had been through. A woman whose faith had been proven genuine. So I prayed for this list. I prayed for this woman. I held on to the promise that God would provide me these things. I had everything I needed, and I had a huge need. The next morning, after I prayed this, and I'm not exaggerating or lying, the next morning, I had an email in my inbox from a a, a close friend, someone who I was close to since I was 12 years old. And eight months later, she was my wife. And she's here. We have six wonderful boys now. Yeah. That's right. And our story for the past three and a half years has been one of God's grace and restoration and healing and love for his beloved people. We're living each day for the glory of God, really. We've known hurt, we've known suffering, but we've also known the depths of God's unchanging love. And we desire to continue living out that in our life every day. Go back to First Peter, if you would. Chapter 4. Let's go down to verse 12 for me in, in chapter 4. Peter says, Beloved, don't think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you share or partake in Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, 
you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Skip down to verse 19. Therefore, let any, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. So what do I say to all these things? What am I here to tell you guys tonight? I do not for one second regret one minute of what I went through. How can that be? How can I be able to glory in my tribulation, in my trial? Because he says, the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Remember, that word glory means depths, means the weight of Jesus, the weight of him. And that weight of value for me far outweighs the light and momentary trial that I went through. I don't regret choosing to commit my heart and my soul to the care of Jesus, my Creator. Someone on the outside may say that I wasted the years, but I know that I've tasted and seen of that glory and the grace and comfort and power of Jesus in my life. And all this did not happen by a, with a quick miracle healing like I was hoping for. But it was being broken over and over and over again and learning to lean on the Lord the whole time. Trusting Him, truly believing that nothing matters except Jesus. Trusting that those who put their trust in the Lord will never be put to shame. I remember sharing my story with someone and they said, I can never do that. It would be too hard. Can I just say to you, no. It is not too hard. All things are possible through Christ who gives you strength. All things. Especially if you want to love someone. It's never wrong. It's never wrong to choose to say, I'll suffer for you. I'll go down for you. I'll let you walk on me. I'll let you yell at me. I'll let you curse at me. I'll let you hurt me. It's never wrong. Never. And God will always give you the strength and He will always give you a reward for it. And how do we get that strength? We spend time with Him. You've got to spend time with Him. See, pain and trials are not the enemy for us in this church. Pain and trials aren't the enemy. Sin is the enemy, right? Don't look for a way out of your fiery trial. Look for the strength to be Jesus' love in your fiery trial. And you will see him do amazing things and know him in deeper ways. Because the love of God never fails. And I'm so glad it never failed for me. I'm so glad 2,000 years ago when Jesus was being beat and being cursed and degraded, it didn't fail then. Because it would have been so easy for him to call down the armies of heaven and annihilate our entire race, our entire universe. It would have been so easy. 
But our Lord, our example, chose to patiently endure with love. He endured everything possible. He proved his love for us even when we were separated and running from him. He was willing to go through that pain even if I did not love him back. He took the risk. And that's what we are to do. Maybe it's really difficult to love your spouse right now. I can't sit here and guarantee they'll ever love you back. But you've got to love them. You've got to die for them. You've got to. If Jesus is your Lord, you've got to love them. With no thought of yourself, love them. And if you are here tonight and you don't even know how much Jesus loves you or what he did for you on the cross, it's time to come to the Lord tonight. He says, come to him all who are hurting and heavy laden and he will give you rest. Jesus is the only answer and he is what we need in this day. And as Ian comes up and he's going to lead us in some more worship, I think God wants to do some work here tonight. We're going to have the pastors come up and we're going to we're going to be standing here to pray with you. And maybe you've always lived your marriage thinking, what, can I, what am I going to get out of this? Or I'm not going to start loving you until you do this or until you do that. Maybe tonight you need to just come and repent before the Lord. He has the power to fix anything. He has the power to heal any hurt. If you want to receive the Lord as your Savior right now, would you stand up? I can't see you. Lights are bright. But God sees you. And standing for Him, He will see you. And He will come to you and He will rescue you. He died on that cross because He loves you so much. Jesus, I'm, I'm sorry for my own failures. Jesus, your Holy Spirit is a spirit of love and of glory and of comfort. And I ask that you would come here tonight. You would fill us. I pray you would move in hearts. I pray husbands would take their wife by the hand right now. I pray wives would hold on dearly to their husbands. I pray that all of us, God, would love you enough to not just run away from our pain at every opportunity. And God, the pain hurts so bad. 
And it is so hard to get past that. But Jesus, you are there and you are with us. I pray you would do great things tonight. I pray you would work in the hearts. I pray you would soften the ones that have been hard. I pray you would heal the ones that are hurting God. I pray you would give hope to all of us here tonight. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. And that you do have a plan. And it might be these trials. It might be to hurt for a while, God. But Lord, we honor you in that. And I pray we would glorify you in that. I pray we would give all of our heart over to you with reckless abandon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.